Welcome to Under the Rug at Work, where I shine light on problems that are normally swept under the rug. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Caroline Howe about how the workers' comp system causes isolation. Caroline has over 25 years experience working as a practitioner, teacher, advocate, facilitator, and change agent. Caroline's the founder of My Social Support Network, which is Australia's first social recovery rehabilitation provider. Previously, Caroline led the development and design of the iCare research team as head of research, where she developed a social connections theory for workers' comp insurance. Thanks so much for joining me, Caroline. Thank you for having me, Nicole. Now, you recently wrote an article on how workers' comp drives isolation. Can you tell us a bit about the article and what you found? Where do we start? Because this is such a big topic. Workers' compensation at its core is designed to help people. It's a workers' compensation system. And yet what we find is that very, very quickly people become isolated because they're losing that sense of tribe. Work is your tribe. It's such a big part of your community. It's a part of what you do. And the minute that you have a work injury, very quickly you can lose that sense of connection. And it is more visible with a psychological injury than it is a physical injury. Because in a physical injury, if I fall down and I break my leg, someone can see it and they'll say, you can go back to work. These are the duties you were doing. So you fell off, we'll get you a different chair. You can still sit next to Bill. But when you have a psychological injury, you can't sit next to Bill anymore. You can't sit next to Judy. You can't go and see Tom because they are either part of that triggering system that's caused that injury or it might be that just being around other people might make you feel more anxious and stressed and people don't know how to have those conversations so as soon as we are unable to have real conversations about what's going on the only thing that people then do is exclude by nature you're removed from the workplace and so the minute we remove people from the workplace, that sense of tribe is lost. If you, if you go right back to our instinct, our instinct is to be part of something. We as human beings feel safer when we are part of a community and a tribe. Back in the day, like if you weren't part of your little tribe, you wouldn't have uh, someone making a fire. There'd be less likelihood of having access to food. You could be uh, at risk of saber-toothed tigers dragging you away in the middle of the night. And so being part of a community tribe is incredibly instinctual for us. The minute that there's a broken connection, we feel unsafe. So that was really, when you start to look at it from workers' compensation, what that system tries to do is, and what it was always designed to do, was just pay wages. It wasn't supposed to meddle. It wasn't supposed to get in the way. It was supposed to just pay an income for a person so that they would be able to then have the time to recover and get back to work. That was it. But since that time, this constant overcomplication of people and rehab providers and claims agents and swapping claims agents, and then you've got 
return to work coordinators and employers and this power battle of who owns the claim, we've forgotten that there is a person that is now suffering an injury, whether it's physical or psychological, and everything that they knew in their world has changed and they don't feel like they're in control anymore. Mm. So that then causes this deep sense of isolation. Yeah. Why did you start My Social Support Network and what does it actually do for people? We started it because having worked in this industry for a, a couple of decades now, not only with the research that I'd done, but all the different places. Like I used to work at the Commonwealth Rehab Service. I worked at different insurance companies. I worked inside, you know, eye care as well. Like I, I, I got to see how we work with injured workers from a rehab consultant side to the insurer's side through the eyes of a regulator, so to speak. The thing with my social support network was that I could see that the workers' comp system was, and to, I don't think it's any fault, anyone's individual fault, but you put all those little faults together and it's just catastrophic for people. That there was no place where a person could start to reconnect to a sense of community in a safe way, specifically for psychological injuries. If you have got depression, anxiety, and stress, if you are feeling that you're unable to safely leave the home, if you feel so overwhelmed, you get panic attacks and you don't know where to go or who to talk to, having this constant bombardment of people telling you what to do is of no use to anybody to get an outcome. And the outcome should always be helping people get back to work or returning to community. That is the whole gig. And there are so many competing agendas that it's really difficult. So we, I pulled my social support network together so that almost as a trial originally, if we were able to create a socially safe place for workers to recover, to reconnect, to be able to have a sense of community, to be, give themselves permission of their psychological injury for an hour, acknowledge it's there, but just put it aside, have a different conversation, start to layer in some normality. Could we get better outcomes and could people move forward and recover? And nothing like that existed because in all of the research that we had done and previously the research that I'd done, whilst we talk about biopsychosocial, there's nothing that actually allowed people to socially connect feel safe to have better mental health and physical outcomes and the purpose of my social support network was to be able to have a rehabilitation support that was a rehab provider but incredibly socially focused mm -hmm. the injured workers that come love it because our job is to look after them and by the time they get to us they feel like they're not listened to. They feel like they don't matter. Uh, they feel like they're cash cows. They feel like they're just part of some system. And we're talking about people. I get people who are either homeless or on the verge of homelessness. I get people who have lost their homes, lost their families. These are workers. Mm. They had a job and we have now successfully turned them 
into someone who is completely emotionally out of control now. They've lost everything that was important to them all because they dared to put in a workers' comp claim. That is so unfair. But I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, if we're going under the rug, mm -hmm. there are a number of insurers that aren't as on board with what we're trying to do. And I'm really trying to figure out if it's that there's a lack of understanding mm -hmm. or there's a lack of support. I had someone recently say to me that insurers don't want people to get back to work. And I thought, that's crazy. It's crazy. The job. Get back back to work. Um, I question that now mm. because in the scheme, the insurers to remove or exit people are able to do a work capacity assessment. Yep. Functional, vocational, labour market assessment, get some numbers and exit them out of the scheme. It's an easier option than taking someone who is so distressed, supporting them, making them feel safe, helping them reconnect to a community, giving them the tools to step forward and then go back to work. That's a hard job. My social support network is one of a kind. So you are the only rehab provider of its type in Australia. I said to a worker who was referred, the insurer had given them three choices. Who do you want to go to? And when I spoke to her, I said, why did you choose us? She said the name. Yeah. Because I felt like you would actually look after me. People want to feel like they, they matter. And when you're a worker, you think you matter to your workplace. We will stay longer in a job where we feel like we are contributing more than if we get a lot of money. We won't stay for money. We stay because people care about us and we feel valued. When that breaks, we become injured at work. We mentally can't cope. We become anxious, we become stressed. We start to feel like we're questioning ourselves all the time. We start to feel so overwhelmed and we start to get scared. Our, value, our values have been broken. We go out and if you then sadly end up in workers' comp, who looks after you? Every interaction that you have with people once you put in a claim is very individual and it's very medically focused. I spoke to a woman the other day and she said, oh, I just have a notebook by my bed so I can make notes about my claim all the time. Like, you should be in bed, you should be sleeping and resting. She said, I don't sleep. Like, well, maybe the notebook should go. Yeah. Stop thinking about workers' comp. It is not the fault of the injured worker that everything becomes about workers' comp because no other conversation, once that claim is in, is anything other than workers' comp. Mm. You are a number, you are pushed through a system. So why does my social support network work? Because they are not numbers. People come in and they're members. This is where the insurers really struggle with them with me because I refuse to call them an injured worker. They're not. They're just a person. I refuse to isolate them. I want them to talk to other people. People don't want to keep talking about their claim. They'll talk about fishing, what mm -hmm. the men do. 
they took, but I've learned more about fishing and camping and things mm. like that. But they suddenly had these different conversations. And now that they can take these different conversations out into other conversations that they have, they can also start, they also start to help each other find jobs and encourage each other. You can do this. So it's not me trying to beg someone, mm -hmm. you can do this. They tell each other, you've got this. Yeah. You look great today. Nicole, that colour looks so good on you. Or they might say, you're looking a bit pale. Why don't you come to the colour workshop? We run a colour workshop. Mm. People want to feel heard. Mm -hmm. They feel better if they can share their experience, if they want to or if they don't want to. But people need to be given back that choice. So my social support network works because it gives back choice, gives back control. It reconnects people. It reestablishes the ability to network because if you have had a psychological injury, your confidence is gone. You don't think anybody believes you anymore. You don't think that anyone will value you. And you cannot find a way past that big mountain of overthinking and emotions and problems. And so they then come to us. Our job is to calm all that down. We're not a psychologist. We don't do the one-on-one -on -one therapy. We're not the doctor. We don't do the treatment. We really just do social reconnection to reduce the emotions and help people step forward. I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> well, it's, it's making huge change too. And if you focus solely on workers' comp and the claim and the injury, there is no moving from that. You can't get out of the mud and into, into life, into improving, into, you know, the next steps, which, as you said, you know, as, as I know too, the workers' comp system is built for that. But when it comes to psych safety, it is very, we still have a way to go. Right, so you can assume that someone who has a psychological injury because of bullying and harassment put the PTSD trauma aside for a little minute. So we have people that have been in car accidents. The trigger is the event to do with that car accident and they're very traumatised, but it's not related to a workplace. If your trauma is linked to your workplace, the idea of going back to work is so overwhelming for people. You cannot resolve that overwhelm one-on-one -on -one and then expect someone just goes back to work so it's an easier path then for the insurer to just remove them from the scheme in other ways but people want to feel valued and connected yeah. they want to feel like you know when they come into the group someone cares that they're there or if they don't come someone will contact them we all want to feel that like we matter and it it's a very hard journey back. When people get referred in, they'll say, how long is this going to end? Honestly, it just takes time. It's time to heal those pathways of being so broken emotionally and trusting people again. Yeah. And if work was a place where they did feel safe, where they did feel supported, they probably wouldn't go, have gone down the workers' comp route to try and make change or because they needed to. Sometimes we have to get out of the environment to, as you said, heal. But, yeah, sometimes healing isn't what happens when... Workers' comp is the absolute last resort. No one wants this. Yeah. I have people 
in our network who are from insurance companies. Mm. A couple of years ago, I did a study and I asked people as being in an insurance company, how many of you would put in a workers' comp claim? None. How many of you know how to put in a workers' comp claim? None. That's happening in the insurers that are actually supposed to help people. So the insurers are very detached from this idea of what a supported workers' compensation system could look like. So you have a really a very double-edged sword happening now for people with psychological injury. You have a workplace that injured them in the first place and then they come into a scheme that does little to genuinely care. There are a few people. There are a few. If, if, every now and then it works, right? And I'm really only talking about once they end up with us. That's a small portion. For everybody else, it's fine. But when you end up with us, something has, is going wrong and they just need that extra support. So can you share a bit about the social connections theory and the research that you did while you were at ICANN? Because that was quite game-changing and insightful. The social connections theory really talks about, well, it's, it's more about social interaction. Mm -hmm. Our instinct when we meet someone for the first time mostly, not everybody, but mostly, is to trust them. Mm -hmm. So let's say our instinct always in the first instance from the moment we're born is to trust. I'm born, you're my mother, I trust you, look after me. At some point down that road, trust will get broken. Now, if it happens very early on in life, you are likely to end up with something like attachment disorder where you really don't trust many people because those, those trust links continually get broken. Let's say you've been able to manage to sail through life and those trust, I, you're my boss, I trust you. I trust that you are going to look after me and do the right thing by me. And then that gets broken. Now I've turned to my friend, that trust gets broken. So it's that social interaction where we automatically believe someone will trust, that we will trust them, and then those links get broken. When we go into the workers' insurance scheme, if someone's, and so this is how triggering it can then be, right? It can be a big event that breaks that trust. If I then go into workers' insurance and a claims manager says to me, I'll call you back on Friday, mm. and they don't, you've broken my trust. For that person to wind back that trust is very difficult. Now, the reason that this is important is because social interactions then really form a basis of how we have that biopsychosocial health. I've now had these experiences at work where my social trust, that bond, has been broken a couple of times. Mm. Now I don't know who to trust. I don't know who to believe. The next thing that's going to happen is my mental health. I'm going to start questioning it. And then I'm going to start to feel stressed. Mm -hmm. And then I might start to feel anxious about going to work because I thought I was doing the right thing and then nobody told me I was doing the right thing and now I don't know if I'm doing the right thing and I think that they're whispering behind my back. Yeah. So psychological health is always going to be linked to social health, mm -hmm. always. I've started to now feel stressed. Now I've got stomach problems. 
Yeah. I've got a bit of a backache. Now my knees hurt. I've got headaches all the time. The thing I'm most likely to talk about are my headaches and my stomach aches. But if I track it right back, it's the social health. Mm-hmm. So if we've got physical, psychological and the social health, the research that we did showed that there was nobody in the world from a workers' comp perspective that was actually actively doing something about social. Because if you cannot repair social, the idea that you can then repair the psychological and physical is really limited because they all work together. So why we walked into this idea of pulling together something my social support network and why I'm just constantly going out about reconnection and community and re-networking is you will not get effective, sustainable mental and physical health outcomes for people who are injured if you don't fix it from where it started, which is the social support. And so it, that's how it all links back. And that's this is why our instinct is to be part of a community. It is to be part of a tribe goes right back to when you know we started we need to feel like we're valuable and we're part of something and we're contributing people do not sit on workers comp for fun yes it is an exhausting experience yeah when we are in most need and we're most broken we need everybody around us to make sure they've got it because we don't have it we need them to carry it carry us for a bit and unfortunately, that community isn't strong enough to do that right now. So this is where my social support comes in because we, we carry them. Yeah. We're going, we'll, we'll advocate for them. Yeah. We will call the insurers with them. Yeah. We will make sure that they understand what appointments they do have to go to, what their rights are, because they don't know. Yeah. So that then helps them recreate that sense of community. And then they can stop worrying about workers' comp and then they can come into the sessions and then they can talk about cooking and recipes and maybe we should have a group where we could all do food prep together on a Wednesday because then we can initiate tasks together maybe we could all go for a walk together so it's important for them to start to feel like they're part of something and then eventually they go to yoga by themselves and then they go dog walking and then they start volunteering yeah you you just need help for a period of time until you can rest and recover and come back and say okay I've got this now thanks for that and we do that for other people. But when you don't know or when you have a system, when it is a workplace and you don't have your best friend there or your your partner might not understand, it can be very isolating and you just want to retreat. And the system is quite confusing. So while people want to do the right thing, we just don't know what the right thing is at that time. So, yeah, getting the support of my social support network is ideal. And it doesn't have to be my social support network but feeling like you are part of a community that cares about you allows the healing to happen. Mm-hmm. It could be a bushwalking club. It could be a book club, but a place where you can go. And the problem for injured workers is collectively as a scheme, it does a pretty good job of stopping you interacting in any normal social level that you can. Yeah. A woman I spoke to the other day, had managed to go out shopping with her husband. She's deeply distressed. She went out shopping. She had a physical injury to start with. Someone had videoed her, an investigator, sent it to the insurer and said, well, she's shopping. 
so she's fine. The woman will not leave her home. She barely leaves her bedroom. She won't go. So we have created severe isolation. So then when I get on the phone to her, she's weeping because she feels like she's letting her family down. And what's kept her there, the terror of going outside and being normal. So there has to be a line between us being able to have, allow people to feel safe, to continually socially interact, be part of a community, not break them more. And at the moment we are breaking them more. So I'm old enough to now say not on my watch, like this was, this, this is a, a passion project for me now. People need to feel safe. They need to feel, they just need to feel safe. And then that comes down to the social safety. We could, we could have another podcast on what you've just discussed. <laughs> that makes my blood boil. And I don't understand what the objective is for investigators doing that. You're, you're spending time and money on trying to catch someone out it's it's like this disbelief system you have to prove not only that you're injured but you have to be continually injured and you can't you can't look at recovering because if you look like you're okay then you're okay get off get out like it's really difficult so when people feel safe they'll reconnect and move forward yes but if they end up with us i feel really bad for them you don't end up with me because you are easy you end up because everyone else has no idea what to do anymore but we have people come in there very angry they're very emotional got very limited to no capacity and within about eight to twelve weeks because everything happens in in these online groups and that's so that to break down that barrier if you can't leave your room just join just join click a link join in if you join in and hear some normal conversation you hear some laughter well then maybe the next time i'll put my camera on and then maybe next time i might ask a question and then maybe i'll say to the group i'm too scared to leave my room and someone will say you can do this take your camera go to the kitchen now we'll go with you so now i'm going with them we're all going, we're all going on that first walk out the room and the fear starts to reduce. A few weeks down the track, they'll now have their camera on, they'll be chatting and then the next thing that someone will say is, I went for a walk outside today. You go, wow, now we're moving forward. Yeah. And it's those very, very, very small steps and they're not doing it on their own because we've recreated that community around them. Yeah. And then they'll say, I might want to go back for a job. It's, I'd like to do that. Okay. okay, let's go into that group. Let's join the career transition group. Yeah. And I've got a beautiful employment consultant and she just she does everybody's colours and we just we workshop things and we get everything organised. We do it together. And then, then we're moving forward. Now that transition from being at zero to that, three months. Yeah. It's not long. No. But now I've got someone who's motivated. They've got a plan. They've got a routine. 
They've taken those small steps. They've got that support and they're not on their own anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're not letting anybody down because they're bravely stepping forward and they're still scared, but they've got us. Mm -hmm. And that is a really big difference. But honestly, (laughs) it's so hard (laughs) for people who are not used to this way of working to understand it. So where do you see yourself in five years? This is a revolution. Mm. We haven't just created a business. A couple of years ago when I did the first trial, I said to the injured workers, I don't know if this is going to work. This thing that we're building in my social support network is being built with people. It is being built with volunteers. It is being built with this incredible sense of loyalty and community from injured workers Mm. who want this thing to be alive because they need it. This is creating a revolution. I know that sounds so audacious, but this isn't about me. This is about every lonely injured worker sitting there thinking, I'm the only one who mm. suddenly realises, no, I'm not. There are more. In fact, there are thousands. And if we actually help people link together, could you imagine mm-hmm. what can happen? Because each injured worker that goes off to then be an employer, well, maybe they'll look back at the group and they'll go, I'll help you too. Yes. So we start to form a community that starts here and then we move out. So in five years' time, we're creating a revolution. And I think that's why you and I connect so well is because we are here to change the world. And even if it's the world for one person who's being bullied or harassed, um, that can make a huge difference and the flow and effect for that is huge. Thank you so much for joining me, Caroline. I really appreciate your time, your knowledge, your insights, your experience, the work that you're doing. And if anyone out there that's listening wants to learn more about Caroline and my social support network, jump onto mssn.com.au. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole.